Hi, you're listening to episode 40 of Desi Geek Girls. I'm Swapna Krishna. And I'm Preeti Chibber, and we are recording on Sunday, December 29th, 2019. Last episode of the year. Man, we did so good. We like. did, considering. And considering like half our episodes are in December. <laughs> For the year. That's okay. That's okay. We did it. Uh, so this is more Star Wars. More Star Wars. And so so this is going to be our last Star Wars centered episode for a while, I think. Until yeah. probably season eight of The Clone Wars. Yeah, I, I think so, which is. April? April. April. I think, I think like April. That sounds right. No, I'm just going to say that. And with confidence, and then maybe people will believe me. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to talk about the last two episodes of The Dadalorian. Yes. Or The Baby Yoda Show. Or The Baby as Yoda Show. like to call it. The Yiddle um, Yaddle Show. The Yiddle Yaddle Show. Um, okay, so this is episode seven and eight. We've already done episodes on the other episodes. So. <laughs> It's early that was morning, not very, you guys. That was not very graceful. It's early morning, and I've been running after my child for like a week, like because we've been traveling, and so uh, yes, I am tired. It's gonna be a fun one. Yes, yeah. we have done episodes on the other six mm-hmm. Mandalorian episodes, and today we are going to talk about seven and eight. There was a long break between. Yes. Seven and eight. Uh, there because... was, a, and that was a cliffhanger, so that was a hard long break. It was a really hard long break. And we were also, we should say, we were incorrect about the timing. <laughs> yes, we were complete. We were incorrect, um, but this, I feel like the end of this, I understand why they wanted the end of this to air after Rise yes, of Skywalker, I because agree. it does have big implications for a lot of things. And especially in between the Rise of Skywalker and Clone Wars Season 8. I get it. Like, why they wanted to air this now. Um, so, before we start in on Episode 7, I want to mention something from Episode, I think it was 5, that I really wanted to mention and I completely forgot. Um, I think outside of the expanded universe, um, and really outside of From a Certain Point of View, Episode 5 was the first, I don't know about the Legends, the old Anticipated Universe, but in the current one, it's really just in um, some of the stories from the A Certain Point of View anthology. This is the first time we see uh, Tuscan Raiders treated like, you know, human yeah. beings. Yeah, very true. He, like, negotiate the Mandalorian negotiates with them for passage across their territory, and, like, it's a small thing, but I just, I wanted to mention it because I appreciated that. Yeah, it's, I mean, the show in general is interesting and it takes on the other aliens, the non, mm-hmm. the non-centered aliens of Star yes. Wars. Yes, And how they are, this is an, an inelegant word for it, but humanized. Yes. You know, right? Like in this, in these stories, they're not just kind of anonymous nothings like they have mm-hmm. to he has to interact with them and so they yep. there has to be a way to do that same with the jawas like in the yep. first and second yes, or in the right. second episode right. right so no it it's, is it's, it, it, it but it's nice it's nice to see because um when the when they're behind masks and um when a lot of times when aliens are behind masks and you can't see their eyes or their eyes are not set in a human type face mm-hmm um, it, it and that's the reason like so many of the Star Trek aliens are very based on human physiology because like we naturally empathize with things with faces like ours. Yep. So I just it's just nice to see them doing something different with that. 
Yeah, that was cool. Um, overall, like overall feelings on this season were, were that it was uh, lagged a little in the middle because mm-hmm. it got very like procedural for me. But I thought it was such strong writing overall. Mm-hmm. I really liked the character development and the writing. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think going back and watching it now, um, it, it's not going to lag. But while I was watching it, when I was waiting for more stuff to happen, and you and I are similar this way in that we really want stuff to connect to the bigger universe. Yes. Um, so I, I don't think it's now that I know when I go back and rewatch, which of course I'm going to do because it was really, really good. Um, I don't think it's going to lag. But yeah, when we were going through it, especially that. And it's funny because I feel like everybody else was like, oh, episode six was my favorite. And you and I were like, nah. right, right. Like, yeah, I've been saying that a lot. Everybody else was like, oh, my God, it's so good. And you and I are like, no, it was yeah. it was fine. It was it was, was fine. I, I didn't really right? like it very much. I, I had significant issues, as, as, yeah. as you all know, because you listened to the episode. I yes. really uh, Yes. Yeah. But these last two episodes were, I think. I, I'm seeing a lot of like this is the potential of what Star Wars could be in the mm-hmm. post Skywalker saga land, and I am totally okay with it. Yep, I think this is great. Like, I love, I love the storytelling. I love um, the style, and so I guess let's get into it. Okay, yeah. so Episode Seven. Um, basically, the Dadalorian is at this point kind of at his wit's end because you know he's okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's first talk about how long do you think, in your opinion, this what kind of time frame has this series taken place over? We don't have a lot of clues, but when the Mandalorian goes back to see Queel, mm-hmm. Queel comments, first of all, he had time to rebuild the IG-11 yes. droid and teach it. And second, he comments that the child has not grown at all. I would say a solid Six months to a year is six my months, guess, that's, right? That's what I, that was my thought as well. Cl- probably closer to a year than yeah. six months. But yeah, six months. It, c- it can't be just one or two months because no. you're not going to make that kind of comment. No, I agree. And and for the time that it would take to completely rehabilitate a droid. Yeah, and like basically teach it everything from scratch. Like that was – I really enjoyed the seventh episode in that mm-hmm. one we get these callbacks to those those earlier episodes with Quill and IG-11 and seeing kind of the found family aspect of it, which we love so much in Star Wars, like seeing that for the Mandalorian and the child with Cara Dune coming back and yes. all of them together and having to learn kind of how to be a unit was really mm-hmm. enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Um yeah, I thought I thought there was a lot of it. So basically, Mando decides to go back to his uh, his I got home planet, but the beginning planet, which is named in the episode, I believe, but I don't remember what it's called. Uh, for the where the guild is, like where yeah. where Carl Weathers is, it's like it's not this, but it's like Navarro or something. Yes, like no, that. that might be it. That might be it because like, I think that that sounds really familiar, right? It's, um, it sounds like that. Uh, yeah, because he gets the a grief, call. Yeah, grief Karga, um, who's I believe that's his name, which is who's Carl Weathers says yes. that. Um, oh, it's basic- right, Navarro. Yeah, no, I was, I was like, like oh, like right. Dave Navarro. Yeah, no, that's not right. Um, grief Karga says, "Come back, and we'll." Um, I want you to kill basically the guy who commissioned 
and is hunting who who uh, who is hunting you because basically Werner Herzog because he has like basically ruined my planet yes. or ruined my city or whatever. Um, and it's pretty clear it's a trap. Like I think everyone's pretty on edge, which is why Mando takes so many precautions before he goes, yeah. gets Cara Dune, gets Quill to watch the baby and uh ig11 comes along for the ride even though mando is not happy about it no he's terrified of the droid and he he doesn't trust it and i i will say i love those sequences of all of them in the ship together and like yes going on this like the moment that the baby force chokes cara dune for hurting his dad made me laugh so hard yes she's like that is not okay that is not okay but it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, I love those little moments, and I love, and we'll talk about this in episode eight, I think, but the relationship of the Force to what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I loved those little moments we got of the child, like, using the Force or, or figuring it out. But that, yeah, it was like. Yeah, he very much uh, is still figuring it out. Because he's a baby. Because he's a baby. <laughs> um, I also like that um, one of my. Um, we're not like we've made we've made our opinions clear on Rise of Skywalker. Um, but one of the things that I find a little bit sad about the movies generally, not just um, the Rise of Skywalker, is there aren't a lot of quiet moments. And that's something right. I love about The Mandalorian, the show. So there are many. so many of them, even in action packed episodes. These episodes are not very long. No, like 30 minutes is not a lot of time, you know, 30 to 40 minutes. And they're, so they're not super long. But but the they managed to get a lot of just really quiet moments of existing of like being a found family like they managed to get a lot in there and I really love that yeah they're they allow for you to breathe within Mm -hmm. the story which is nice and Mm -hmm. and to see sort of uh moments of reflection or understanding of action which again you're right like we don't really necessarily get from the movies you know one of the biggest grievances I think people have for the original trilogy is the lack of um, grief that Leia is allowed to feel. Yes, or, and, I and agree. Even Luke like has to get over the death of his family and the death of his very mentor fast. like very quickly. And so here we do get to see some of, and that's kind of what the Mandalorian is, right? Based mm-hmm. on where it's set in the timeline, which is not too long after the war. Yeah, and it's people relearning how to exist in this new building society and building yeah. republic and so we need those moments of reflection i agree and um i'm sorry if you heard a child screaming in the background i'm currently in a house with like 10 people hiding in my bedroom with the door closed and <laughs> praying my baby sleeps through this podcast so apologies <laughs> if you can hear that in the background but um no i think that um i just I just really appreciate I, I there's so much about the show I appreciate um and the, so the pacing of episode seven episode seven was actually very <sighs> so intense deliberate and I will not say slow because it was not slow at all it was very intense yeah you're right but it was just like baby using like you said like baby learning to use the force so like when he when, when he you know toddles over to heal grief karga I know. <laughs> just, I like put my hands on my face because it's so. This this episode was directed by Deborah Chow, who yeah. did the third episode, which is widely regarded as one of the most suspenseful and tense episodes as well. Because I think she really understands pacing and how to build that tension so well with quiet, with quiet, with right. quiet. And that's why I'm so excited for Obi Wan 
Yes. Oh my God. Cannot wait. I think it's, yeah. it's what a perfect matching, right? Between yes. someone who understands that slow build and that, that potential for. Because uh, like Obi-Wan's entire life is a slow build. Exactly. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's these like slow moments building on, on each other where it's, they get together, they're going to Navarro, they meet up with grief with like obviously a trap and everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did love the moment where they're all like on there, like when he brings the animals. Yeah. The blurgs. Yeah. The blurgs. <laughs> the blurgs. And you're like, really? <laughs> He's like, I did not learn how to tame this for nothing in one episode. Yep. We are bringing yep. them back. Yep. <laughs> and then slowly and then, building to yeah. the like culmination. The camp- campfire scene. And then, you know, and then Grief Karga chooses to betray. Mm hmm. You know the Werner Werner Herzog and um, side with the Mandalorian, and they get themselves into a pickle thanks to um, Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon, who's played Moff Gideon amazingly by Giancarlo Giancarlo Esposito, Esposito who's yes. always so good at everything. He's good in everything he and he's great in this. He's very very sinister. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about Cara Dune because we learned yeah. a lot about her in the seventh yes. episode. And- She's yeah. No, sorry. I was going to say something we learned in the eighth episode, which is that she's an Alderanian. Yeah. Which yeah. Is amazing. That's very cool. I'm so interested in more from her. I liked how yeah. big of a role she got in these last two episodes. But the the stuff with the tattoo made me laugh really hard. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. she, if, does she have like a tiny rebel insignia on her face too? Did I, make that I don't up? know. Yeah, no, <laughs> she has know? a tattoo definitely under her eye. <laughs> Um, I don't know if it's a rebel insignia or like, I don't know. I'm looking it up because I was like, yeah, she does. She has a rebel alliance tattoo, but they made such a big deal about the about tattoo the on her yeah. arm to like cover it up because they were like, they'll know. <laughs> it's on her it's face. Like she's got the rebel alliance, right like on the, face, the phoenix bro. on her face. Yeah, on her face. <laughs> but I did really like the like backstory for her and her mm-hmm. role in the rebellion, which is which is really cool because it brings back those old tensions. And seeing, you know, the first episode we saw those stormtroopers that were so dirty and grungy. Yeah. And then here we're seeing, like... They're not dirty. Nope. They are clean and flashy and they have firepower. Very, very scary. Very scary. And the 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 immediate, like, of killing the troops that came before, mm-hmm. because that's the Empire. Yeah. Everyone is disposable, right? Mm-hmm. It was such a great moment to be like, this shit doesn't die that fast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really, it was really well done and very, very just, <sighs> like, I, I, like, and then the end of that episode, I was like, I cannot wait a week and a half to see what happens. Like, like they, oh, they, I, they, they get the baby. They get, they the, get baby. the baby. And poor Quill. Quill, I know, that was really sad. Nick Nolte did, was unrecognizable in that role and also did an amazing job. Um, but they got the baby, Preeti. They I got know, the baby. I know, and it was. Hor- I was like, "How are we supposed to wait nine freaking days? Yeah, to find out what happens if they hurt the baby? I'm gonna lose my mind." Yes, yes, basically. But, so, like that was. So they get in the pickle, and and you know, at some point, I I appreciate this, but I get a little frustrated by the Mandalorian. You know, they set him up in the beginning as like he's the best bounty hunter. And mm-hmm. I get it. Like, he's in a new position as a new dad. Yes. Like, he makes bad decision after bad decision Yeah, I'm like, why would you wait until you knew Quill was on the ship before so, like, you go storm the stormtroopers? Just wait, man. But just wait. wait. Just, just just, get confirmation. Quill's on the ship. 
Like, like wh- why would why why wouldn't you wait for that? Just wait a few minutes, man. Just just a few minutes. And to so you watch him make these like blunders, which is like on one side I'm like, oh, I actually like that. I like that he's like such a flawed character mm-hmm. and like such an imperfect character. He's not the magical hero. Like he no, desperately needs help. Like you said, he was at his wit's end, and so he went into what he was 100 percent certain was a trap because there were no other options. Yeah. But then you're like, but just, but just make better, just better make choices. Better calls, man. But he's we're not. He's not that guy. No, he's not. He's used to fighting himself. Like I think the idea is he's an inc- he may, kind of makes bad decisions and is, has been able to fight himself out of every yeah, situation yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's a very, very good true. fighter. Very true. That's a good and point. And so, and I think now that he has somebody else to protect, it's a lot harder to fight himself out of those situations because it's very different when you're fighting for yourself versus fighting to protect someone else like those are two different things true because he is sort of at fault in terms of how they get how they find quill is because he calls him on the communicator and kind of gives away the position and gives away like all the information and you're like yep and then it ends so yep and the episode ends you see quill lying on the ground like shot and dead and you see i think the i can't remember it's the two troopers. You see them. You see they, you see the troopers scoop up Baby Yoda. Yeah, they grab right? the bag and then fly by. Yeah. yeah, and so that's that's it. And then um, so the next episode opens. How does it open? Oh, it opens with an amazing scene. So this is the the last episode was directed by Taika Waititi, and this was yes. the most Taika way to kind of oh yes handle yes. an opening. And you have these two stormtroopers who are played by Adam Pally and Jason Sudeikis. Was it? Oh my god! Yeah. I was like, that sounds like I was like that sounds like Adam. Okay, yeah. was it actually them? Because it's I was like, that them. sounds like them. <laughs> so it's the two of them in their like you can hear it in the voices, but they're sitting there with the baby, and it's actually it's very funny. It's very it's funny. It's very funny. Them, Except like, they punched Baby Yoda, right? So they're, Twice. like, shooting the shit, kind of, like, going back and forth, like, waiting for confirmation and basically being, like, the Empire sucks because of all the bureaucracy. And they try to shoot and, like, they both miss everything, which is very funny. But they punched the baby, like, twice. And it was yeah. very unsettling. Like, yes. I I did not. I was, like, this is maybe just, I didn't like it. It, it, it I, I would have been happy when they died either way. I didn't need to see them punch a baby to, yes. like feel really good when ig11 came and was like hey i'm gonna shoot you yes yes agreed (laughs) i like that he calls himself a nurse droid i know i'm a nurse droid he's so cute poor ig11 i I know i I liked i liked ig11 a lot i was a little worried that this whole episode was gonna be about them getting baby the baby back from uh the troopers Mm -hmm. so i i felt like at every step my expectations were thwarted like every time i thought i knew what was going to happen because i was making assumption based on like narrative and kind of common choices they subverted that by being like no we're not we're not going to focus on that that could have been the whole episode mm-hmm. and instead it was about the journey of these people together yeah which is great and like and it did set up like it did well it doesn't tell us what's going to happen in the second season it did set up kind of like what what what's yeah. what happens from now here going on why can i not talk what happens going forward from now like what's yes. going to happen next um this episode was like it was a nice it was such a nice pairing with the previous episode because this episode was kind of almost all action yeah and which was great because you know you know it's going to be tense so it opens and we have that moment with ig11 getting the baby but um mando 
Cara Dune and uh, Grief are still in that saloon or wherever they are being mm-hmm. basically shot at. They bring out this like very dangerous weapon yeah. that Cara Dune is like, fuck this. This yeah. is garbage. Oh yeah. my God. And they have until nightfall to give the baby to Moff Gideon. And uh, and so like, ten- like tensions are very high. And then Moff Gideon calls them all by name and we learn Mando's name, which is Din Jardin. Yes. <laughs> we learn a lot about Mando in this episode, actually. Yeah. Which we're going to keep calling him Mando because who's going to remember Din Jardin? Din, yeah, I keep wanting to say Jin Darden and Din Yeah, I keep wanting to say Jin Darden. Yeah. And then, uh, like, um, Din, Din Jardin. <laughs> so we learn, okay, so, and this is maybe just my relative un- lack of interest in the Mandalorians and lack of interest in like just just me being dumb about Star Wars, I'm not sure. But I didn't. I knew that Mandalorian was both a race and a culture, but I didn't realize. I basically the the flat out explanation that Mandalorian isn't a race, isn't a culture. I really appreciate or isn't a race, it is a culture. I appreciated mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I wasn't quite because there is a planet Mandalore. The people from the planet Mandalore are Mandalorians, but it seems like you can choose to reject the Mandalorian culture, even if you were born on Mandalore and you can choose to embrace the Mandalorian culture, even if you were not born on Mandalore. Like it's, I, and I appreciate that explanation. I'm not sure if it was, I, I'm not sure if I'm the only one who wasn't quite sure how that worked, but now I know. And that's, I, I I appreciate that. (laughs) I think that it was an interesting moment because a lot of, there are a lot of conversations to be had about, culture and and destiny and all those things in star wars and yeah mandalore has always been really interesting because the the perspectives we've gotten are from clone wars with the duchess yeah um satine and the storyline where maul tries to take over mandalore yeah like the last i believe if i'm remembering correctly the last we see of mandalore is when maul has taken over Satine has died, and then the and then Palpatine comes and defeats Maul, and says he has plans for him. That's the last we see in the Clone Wars, and then in the you, Clone Wars, yeah, okay, yeah, was like, yeah, 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 in the Clone Wars, yes, yeah, yes, yes. and then you fast forward to Rebels, which is like roughly five to ten years after Clone Wars or after yeah. um, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I think that's. I, I right? think we've said about t- about ten years. I think yeah, is... and Sabine Wren is a Mandalorian. Yeah, and so we get more of this kind of like factioned off Mandalore, which is very different from the Mandalore we saw in Clone Wars. Right? It's yes. like the factions of the great families of Mandalore. Yes. Plus, like the Death Watch, who still exists, sort of in some capacity ish, who yeah. were like extra aggressive Mandalorians who were exiled to a moon. <laughs> like, right. And then there was a purge at some point. And- yeah, and the only way we know about the purge is because it's been referenced in this show. Right. So basically, at the end of, if I recall correctly, and so we're going to get into some stuff from the Mandalorian here in a second because it's kind of relevant. So Sabine Wren um, basically is able to uni- reunite the Mandalorians mm-hmm. under one banner under Clan Vizsla because she finds the dark saber, which yes. is like the legendary. Mandalorian lightsaber. Yep. And she, um, and so she's able to unite. And then at the end, if I recall correctly, she hands the lightsaber over to Satine's sister mm-hmm. because uh, I think her name's like Bo Katan because she says that she is the rightful ruler of Mandalore. Right. Yes. And that's what, I, that's pretty much, I think, where we left it. That's where we left it. Then at some point, um, 
At some point, okay, so what we know about Moff Gideon from this episode is that he was, he ruled Mandalore, basically he kind of oversaw the Purge. Whatever the Purge was, I think he oversaw it for the Empire. Um, Clearly he's a terrible person, A, from what we see in this episode, and B, from like, I think it was Kara Dune who's like, wasn't he executed for war crimes? Yeah. And like, so, like, clearly, clearly he's not. a terrible person. Well, he recognizes um, it, right? That speech yeah. that Giancarlo gives is so good, yeah. where he's yeah. like, I can promise you I will act in my own self-interest. And I was mm-hmm. like, "That this is super refreshing. Yeah, this is actually really refreshing. Um, and then, the end of the episode, which I screamed and immediately texted Preeti. Oh, my God. So, we know that... Um, we know we'll get back to the end of like our little found family in a second, but uh, Giancarlo Esposito uh, survives his Tie Fighter crash, mm-hmm. and we see him breaking out of it with the dark saber. So what? now he like some I guess maybe he when he took when they Empire retook Mandalore. I don't know. Clearly, he has the dark saber. And I was super excited because that's really the first callback we've gotten to any animated show yes. in a live action show beyond the Maul appearance in Solo. But that, and because Maul was introduced in a live, live action, action. Or in movie, I don't really, you right. know. Right. And you hear uh, Ahsoka Tano's voice in Rise in, of Skywalker. Yeah. In Rise of Skywalker, you and do. And those, those are the two big ones. Yeah. Yeah, but this is the first, like, I feel like there have been Easter eggs here and there. Yes. Like, the Ahsoka, because, like, if you weren't watching, you wouldn't know who that was, and it would be fine. Um, but this was the first time, like, everybody who ever saw Rebels was like, Dark Saber! Yeah, because you, this is, so the Saber is of historical and cultural significance to Mandalore. Like, yeah. it is a very important artifact, and it holds a lot of, kind of, tradition and culture within it. Mm-hmm. A whole apparently holds a lot of creed within it, so I'm excited to see when Mando finds out that Gideon has it because that's not going to go over. That's well. That's not going to go well, right? Like with the relationship that you see. So, okay, getting back to Mando, yeah, uh, he kind of is the reason we know a lot of this because he's like the the only way he would know who I am is through the lists on Mandalore. And yeah. he was there, you know, during the purge, whatever. At some point, because then we get the flashback, right? We get the flashback mm-hmm. of how Mando was found as this child on this war-torn planet, presumably during the Clone Wars. It's yeah, because the, the robot is one of the Clone Wars, yeah. right? It's a Separatist robot. It's a Separatist robot. So we see kind of live-action Clone Wars stuff happening, and he was saved by Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. And they take him and, and bring him up within the Mandalorian creed. And so his relationship, I mean, I've really enjoyed seeing how the show has presented his relationship to his culture. I had to, yeah. Right? And so when they, I'm skipping it. We'll, we'll get to the, I, I do want to discuss the helmet scene. Yes, I want to discuss the female, the armor. Right, but so first we'll get to that. I want to talk about the armor since it's related to this. So when he gets down there and he gets his like new insignia and the clan of two and oh my God. I loved that moment. The The whole conversation they had was great, right? Mm-hmm. Where they are talking about what his responsibilities are to this child because of his uh, culture of being a Mandalorian. Yeah. 
it was just so interesting and i love i love i think her name is emily swallow who plays the um the armor like that whole she was so good oh my lord and we don't we don't know what happens to her no because she survives her encounter with the stormtroopers which means she can be in season two. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> but I really loved, and I agree, I really loved seeing, we see Mandalorian culture a lot as portrayed as this like brutal warrior yeah, culture. Yeah, like Sparta. Yeah, exactly. And so I absolutely loved seeing this other side of it. Yeah, the importance of connection and... Mm-hmm. And family and the importance mm-hmm. of, and I really, I actually really like the emphasis on culture rather than like you know like no man like it's not just that mando isn't any less of a mandalorian because he wasn't born to a mandalorian family or born on mandalore um he is just as much of a mandalorian and like like just the 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 way it portrays i don't know the way it like treats foundlings because a lot a lot of cultures don't see it doesn't see foundlings as a burden. Right. And it doesn't see them as less than or less than not or, yeah. as, you know, I, and I think both of us can speak to this idea of like being hyphenates of being, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're Indian, we're American, we're never enough of one or the other to be really one thing. So it was kind of amazing to see this situation in which this person who in a kind of Western cultural context could very easily be a hyphenate be like no i've i've chosen this and mm-hmm. so because i've committed myself to this culture like this is who i am regardless of where i was born or you know whatever it was like that was kind of really cool i think there's a lot of complex yeah. things happening there in terms of identity which is really interesting in this like eight episode show about a gunslinger in the outer rim right exactly they um they they get really deep into these issues without, without, I saw something, I think maybe it was Keith Chow. He was like, he like time, he was like at like six hours and X minutes. This, uh, the Mandalorian is my favorite Star Wars tr- movie trilogy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I like, I, I'm not going to say I like it better or worse than any of the movies. I feel like it is very different, but I do yeah. very much see where he's coming from because you get the chant because, when you're as we're moving away from the Skywalker saga, we had the chance to tell so many more stories. Because as much as I love the Skywalker st- saga, it is a cycle of tra- tragedy, yes. rebirth, and redemption. Yes. Like it is the same cycle, and that is the Star Wars. And I'm like, let the, as I said before, like let this family rest in peace. Like, let, them, <laughs> let them just be. Let them. Let them. Let them be. Let's tell other stories. Um, they no. deserve a nap. Absolutely. Okay. So so let's let's talk about the helmet. Let's talk about yes. finally like. I loved all the mute. So the Mandalorian is is horribly uh, after after the child kind of saves them, yeah, from the fire by using the force to blow the fire back at the the stormtrooper. The Mandalorian is horribly uh, injured, and he is telling them to go, just go, just go, just go. Leave me here. I will save you time. And they Cara Dune leaves with the child and and Carl Weathers, and IG Eleven stays behind. And he's like, I'm, I loved this moment between the two of them. I know that some people might say, you know, the droid stuff is ham-fisted, but it's... I don't think it, I, don't I don't think, think it, so. Given his feelings about droids, I don't think it is. Yeah, right? Like, it was a... He had... This was growth 
for the Mandalorian over the course of these eight episodes. And I love the moment of IG-11 being like, I'm not a living thing. And pulling off the helmet and finally getting to see Pedro Pascal's face, which I loved all the memes of being like, I know what Pedro Pascal looks like, but when they pulled the helmet off, you're like, Pedro Pascal! Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> But what a great moment for someone who has been, like, obviously sharing the load of acting in terms of, like, the Mandalorian, but getting to see this character's face in that moment and not have it be, like, a heroic moment, really. Like, having it to be kind of this sad... A and, like, moment of vulnerability. Yeah, exactly. It was it was so such a good idea on the part of Jon Favreau to save that to be the moment that he takes the helmet off. Like, I liked it. Right? Yeah. It was such a was great really well done. moment. And it, it added tension without being like, I did have a moment where I was like, oh my God, they're going to separate the Mandalorian and the baby. I thought so. I was like, <laughs> I literally was like, is Cara Dune going to become the new Mandalorian? Right? Like, which, I mean, a female Mandalorian would be great, but I'm like, I like my Mando. But I love Mando. So I was very happy to see, like, again, like, this was a moment where I had an expectation of where the story was going to go. And they were like, uh-uh, he's going to be right back with his family. Don't worry. Yeah. Like, that was great, right? Like, yep. and IG-11 getting the role that he got, like, when they get to the River of Fire with that hell R2 unit, which Yeah, it's like the like fuck? The on in the river sticks. Who the fuck put arms and legs on an R2 unit? I know. That Jesus was Christ. bad decisions. Terrifying. Bad decisions. No, thank you. Victor Frankenstein looking motherfucker. Like, what the I hell? I know. It was, yeah, that was not okay. Not, not okay. Not okay in Cara Dune's words. <laughs> but I did like that whole sequence where they're like, shit like one we got the sequence of the armor fighting off the troopers which yeah and and let's mention all the helmets and the you know the mandalorian most of the man that mandalorian clan is now dead dead, which is awful but like getting to watch her shatter a stormtrooper helmet with a wrench is one of the coolest things i've ever seen in my life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. agreed like that's on the level of like some of the really cool force stuff we see from like Kylo Ren and Rey. Yeah, I I mean, you automatically compare it to the scene in Skywalker, in the Rise of Skywalker, where they smash a Darth Vader, um, whatever that thing is, in Kylo Ren's little weird room. They, but it was, this is a moment where I'm like, this was cooler. This was a cooler sequence. It was cool. It was cool getting to see, like, the shitty material that whatever these cheapo, super things are made out of. And then cut to them on this, like, the river sticks knowing that they are surrounded and IG-11 kind of being like, okay, well, this is what I was made for. You mm-hmm. protect the child. I'm going to save your asses. And you're like, oh. And Mando's like, no. I and know. like the fact that it took, like, the fact that Ugh. he's the one that's like, no, you can't. Like, it's like, oh. We need you. Help. I know. <laughs> and okay, then, so. The yeah. jet pack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was good. I'm glad. Because I was waiting for him to get his jetpack. Right? He gets the jetpack just in time for the final battle, as mm-hmm. we said, between Gideon and a TIE fighter. That, I love that whole fight sequence of him. Because we don't see, that's the first time I think we've seen kind of similar action to what we saw in animated series. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of jumping on TIE fighters and, like, using your lightsaber and, like, in action, in space that we didn't. Yep see from the movies too much or mm-hmm. ever i think Literally, in terms I think of like the only time we've seen it is when ray lightsabers off part of kylo ren right which is not the uh, same tie. no like this is literally he is hanging on to 
the TIE fighter, like, shooting into it, which yeah. was such a cool, like, badass cool. action sequence. So, and then, so basically, the armorer um, tells Mando that he needs to go find, his mission basically is to go find where you basically find Yodeliadol's home planet, find yep. the planet of the Yodas, yep, and like take him home. Mm-hmm. So that's presumably going to be the plot of the next season. We're going to find out more about this species, find out more about little Yodas. I don't know. Like, I'm really excited to, yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see like more story like you can feel i know john favreau is the showrunner and wrote all of this but you could feel dave filoni's hand on it and oh, i you can, when that right, dark like, saber, i was like oh filoni like i dave filoni has such a wonderful handle on star wars lore and story and understanding of narrative that i am so excited to see more mm-hmm. and the potential for what stories could be told because this is presumably happening kind of in tandem i know this is never gonna happen but it's happening nope. in tandem with nope. ahsoka and sabine trying I to know, find ezra is. just give me this yep i don't it's never understand gonna happen, i but... need this but i do think it's <laughs> they will they will resolve that feloni is one to like pick up threads true um, so I think at some point we will get more Ahsoka story and we'll find out how that ended, but I don't think it'll be in this show, I sadly. Just, this is such a great show for, like, I understand why they couldn't put her in the movies. Like, as much as I wanted it and desperately, desperately wanted it, I understand that it mm-hmm. would have felt like a real deep disconnect mm-hmm. between what we, what moviegoers and what, what Star Wars movies fans see and understand and what kind of yeah. those of us who dabble in all the other stuff do but this with the inclusion of the dark saber yeah gives me hope in terms of like well, yes i agree you are introducing this thing that we really only know about from the cartoons into live action mm-hmm. just saying yeah i agree <laughs> i think though that introduce like i don't think they'll ever I don't think they'll do it only because I know. you know what I mean. Like it's just it's too much. Like a, because what Mando is doing is it's bring, Mandalorian is bringing a, a lot of viewers who had only previously seen the movies. True, very true. And this is yeah, and like uh, and so I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to introduce a character. Like I just don't. But I will. But give us another live action show. Uh, right, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be. I'm of, like, two minds because there's, like, there is this idea of, like, because it's all on Disney+, Plus. I wonder how many people now, after realizing that the Darksaber is tied to these cartoons, are going to go back. You know, the new yeah. season of The Mandalorian isn't until fall 2020. Yeah. And how many the- people are going to go? Because, like, my sister, I was watching this with my sister, and I, like, screamed when I saw it, and I, like, turned to my husband. I'm like, is that the Darksaber? And he's like, yeah, I think that is. And my sister's like, what is that? And I'm like, this is from the show Rebels that have been telling you to watch for, like, years. Like, because, like, I told <laughs> her so many times, like, you have to watch a show, you have to watch a show. And her thing is she is just in that mentality that cartoons are for kids, and right. she has trouble getting over that but i think now that she's so into the mandalorian i think she is and they have a disney plus subscription i think she's going to go back right and watch it i hope more people will i the the like kind of very cynical part of me is like this was a great marketing ploy for disney to include Mm -hmm. that saber that oh you want to know more about this 
you already have a subscription. Look at all the access Look to at these other four TV seasons shows, right? Of, yeah. Like yeah. six seasons of Clone Wars, four seasons of um, Rebels, and a new Clone Wars season coming out in like, you know, half a year yeah. or whatever. Like they've got until fall 2020 to watch all of these shows. Yeah. And I, it's Disney. Like, of course, that is the ideal that people are now going to go back and watch these shows that they might not have before. So part of me is like, yeah, like no duh, that's what they want. Yeah. So like yeah. maybe. But if it maybe. means we'll if, it, if it means Sabine Ahsoka buddy cop show. If it means <laughs> season five of Rebels, I will take it. Like I just want season five of Rebels. I just want to know what happened to Ezra I and know. how well, Sabine and Ahsoka find him. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, there's so much like I, it is my biggest grief with Star Wars that Ahsoka Tano has not been given her due. Mm-hmm. I would like an. I just need an. Okay, this is what I want. I want an Ahsoka TV show. Yes, not a TV show about Anakin and Obi Wan that Ahsoka is introduced in. Not a TV show about an amazing found family that I absolutely love that Ahsoka kind of comes into yes! and out of. But I want an Ahsoka TV show. I want Ahsoka Tano front and center. Yes, in every episode. Yes, Ugh. I need it. Yes, that's what I want. All right. I feel like that's... Okay. that's uh... Yeah, maybe Ahsoka can train uh, Yiddle Yiddle. <gasps> can you imagine? Yeah, no, I can't. That would be <laughs> amazing. Like, we need a force trainer. I know. <laughs> She's not a Jedi, but who needs a Jedi right now? Yeah, no. Who needs a Jedi? It's fine. <laughs> she knows what to do. I have faith in Ahsoka. <sighs> okay. Right. I, think I think we're done. I think that's I think it. So. That's, okay. so that's a wrap on Star Wars from the Daisy Geek Girls until Clone Wars Season 6. Well, we we might do a re. I was we I was going to talk about this, but oh. maybe we should do like a rewatch. I was going to talk about this offline, but now I'll just talk about it. And <laughs> people can bug us if they want us to do this. Maybe rewatch because now that we kind of have an idea of what the arcs in season, the new season of Clone Wars are going to be, rewatch oh. some of the episodes leading up to those arcs, and then we can talk about them in the episode before. Oh, that's a good and, idea. Like, yeah, because like yeah. I think one of them's gonna be Mandalore. One of them's gonna be like Ahsoka and Mandalore. One of them's gonna be Ahsoka like settling down in her new life after leaving the Order. And then like there's three main arcs, and I remember reading about them, and I was like, it would might be fun to like rewatch the episodes of those arcs and kind of discuss those. Yeah, talk about them. Yeah. Okay. Well. we'll okay. Do we'll do it. it. We'll do it. <laughs> Done. Okay. <laughs> And that way, because someone asked us, like, a year and a half ago, like, what episodes should they watch in preparation? I was like, that would be a good, like, exercise. Yeah. Like, these are the episodes we watched to prepare, given we that we have seen the whole series. And honestly, if you haven't, I just, it's 30 minutes episodes, they're cartoons, you can kind of watch it while you're doing other things in a lot of cases. Especially the first couple of seasons, because they're very episode of the week. And you can find so there are two ways you can you can find a list of the like important episodes. There are a ton of them on Reddit. Like that will there's one list in particular particular that I found maybe I was watching it with my sister who hadn't seen it of ranking the episodes by plot important importance and relevance. Uh, and then StarWars.com has the episodes in chronological order because because they are not <laughs> they're not in, in, on airing. <laughs> Yeah, in airing, they air completely. Uh, it's like just kind of snapshots of what was happening in between yeah. Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. So they are absolutely not in order, which is yeah. a little frustrating. Yeah. But 
So those those are two um, kind of avenues if you don't want to watch everything or if you want more understanding of where it lines up in story. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. So we are part of the Hard Knock Life podcast network, and you can find all of the podcasts in our Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. Today we want to shout out Who Watch, um, a Doctor Who podcast, Time and Re- Relative Blackness in Space, and the new season of Doctor Who's coming, as Preeti told me, and so um, it's a perfect chance to catch up before it starts. Uh, and to our Patreon supporters, thank you to Fazia and Meredith Smith at the $10 level and Sylvia, Martha, Branda, Rahul, Jordan, Annie, Claire, Brian, Robert, Maya, Guy3, and the Knott family at the $5 level. We really appreciate you. We do. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Daisy Geek Girls. And I am at Run With Scissors. And I'm at S. Krishna. And until next time. We'll, we'll see, see you, you in, in hell. hell. <laughs> <laughs>